Hey, everybody. I'm Vilpu. I'm Hannah. Um, okay, before we jump in, we're going to talk about the story of Matthew, uh, how Jesus calls Matthew. But before we jump in, I just want to take a moment and just like express appreciation for this church, this community. Um, we've been here for a long time, sort of, <laughs> in the sense that I think was it 15 and 16 we did Sockham. Um, it was revolutionary. Um, I was doing Night Watch like every Friday in those days, you know. Um, ben over there and Tim, I don't know if you guys remember Tim from a couple weeks ago. Um, ben, Tim, and I, we were doing a lot of prayer on campus um, in those days. And we found ourselves at the old OV building every Friday night, um, just like until three in the morning, you know, doing prayer. And every month, it must have been every month, there would be th these annoying night watchers who would show up and like disrupt what we were doing. And it like took me a couple months to realize like, oh, this is like, this is really cool. Like the Lord's really on this. And so we started doing that. And I don't know, I just like look back at our story in our life and it's like the love that we have for the Lord is so much, so much of that is rooted in this community. And like what we've experienced, you know, through Josh and Lynn and through um, John and Kim and through Parker and Bree. And um, actually that's where we met Parker and Bree was like one of those times, like, I remember being in prayer for, for hours one night, Brie with you um, at Night Watch, just working through like childhood wounds and stuff. And it was just really sweet. So we have a lot of appreciation for, for this place. So. Yeah, we love you guys. We're so excited to share kind of what the Lord has been doing in our lives and in our home over the past couple of years. So we're going to be in Luke 5, verses 27 through 32. I think it's up on the screens, but um, I'll pray and then... Um, read that, and we'll jump into it. So, yeah, so we just thank you, Father, that you are here. We thank you that you're with us, and we thank you for the way that we get to experience your presence here on a Sunday morning in this building, and mm -hmm. we thank you for the way we get to experience your presence in our homes with our friends and fellowshipping. We just thank you for all the ways that we get to know you and love you and um, join with you in what you're doing. We are excited to hear from you today, Lord, and we just surrender to you, and we ask that it would be your words and not ours that we would get to learn from you and love you even deeper today. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so a little context for this passage is that so this is right at the beginning of Luke, and the Jesus has just started his ministry. Um, Luke kind of outlines that whole thing. He has just gone into the wilderness and been tempted by the devil, and then he comes back and he starts to begin his ministry. He begins healing people and preaching in the synagogues, and then he starts to call his first disciples. So that's where we meet Matthew, or Levi, as he's called here. So Luke 5.27 starts off, and it says, After these things, Jesus went out and observed a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. He said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he got up and followed him. Levi made a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were reclining with them. The Pharisees and their Torah scholars began murmuring to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are healthy have no need for a doctor, but those who are sick do. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinful to repentance. So, in other words, Jesus sees Matthew and he can clearly see something in him, and he calls him to himself. Matthew, like all the other disciples so far, leaves everything and gets up and follows Jesus. And then in some act of gratitude or excitement, he throws a giant feast for Jesus and invites all of his friends, who are also tax collectors and sinners. And then 
um, the Pharisees and the scholars start kind of mumbling and they're a little bit upset about the way that Jesus is interacting at this feast. And instead of the disciples answering, Jesus answers and he says, those who are sick have no need for a doctor and those um, who are those who are healthy have no need for a doctor. Sorry, those who are sick definitely do. <laughs> um, I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinful to repentance. I love that. Yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to share our story in the context of this story, right? We're in the Art of Neighboring series. Um, I love that they actually um, they assigned us this passage. And I was kind of like, ah, I don't know, if, like, I want you to tell me what to talk about. And then I started reading. I was like, oh, my gosh, Lord, this is like our story. Like, our story is the story of Matthew. And I was like, this is so good. And so we're just going to share our story and Matthew's story interwoven and pull out some points from there that hopefully uh, will be meaningful. Um, and so I think it would be really easy to read this story and just kind of look at it and go, like, oh, yeah, I should be like Jesus. Like, I should spend more time with sinners and tax collectors. Like, you know, the people I work with, like, I should actually, like, go and spend time with them and talk to them about Jesus. Or, or maybe it's like, oh, I should be like Matthew. Like, I should throw a party and invite my friends and my neighbors, and maybe Jesus will show up, you know? And, and I think that's good. Like, I think that's a good thing to do if somebody wants to do that. Like, please go and do that. I bless that. But I don't think that's a helpful place to begin, right? Because that's mostly just a moralistic message. Like, if I read the Bible and I walk away from it saying, okay, I should do more of this, I don't know. Like, is that me or is that the Lord? You know, like, do you think the grace of God is really on that? Maybe, but, but the point is, I think where we, where we need to start is, and I, somebody taught this to me, every time I read a story from the Gospels where Jesus is interacting with someone else, I have to ask myself, who am I in this story, right? I'd like to say I'm Jesus, but in reality, I'm not Jesus, right? When I read the story of Jesus and Matthew, I'm Matthew, right? When I read Jesus, the story of Jesus and the woman who was bleeding, I'm the woman who is bleeding, who spent all her money and just trying to get, you know, get to Jesus, right? When I read the story of the blind guy who is going like, son of David, have mercy on me, I'm not Jesus. I'm the blind guy saying, son of David, have mercy on me, right? And so that's where we begin. We'll get to Jesus. That's okay. But we're going to begin with Matthew. And so I just want to like make this, like I, for myself, this is true. And I think this is true for you guys as well. You are Matthew, right, in this story. It's like, Matthew, if you guys know anything about Matthew, I, how many of you guys have watched The Chosen? Chosen, anybody? Okay, awesome. I love it. So Matthew is this tax collector, right? He's a nerd. He's a little bit, I don't know, Asperger, sort of, like, just very clever, doesn't have any friends, and he sold his soul to the Romans, right? His native countrymen, they hate him because he's practically robbing them of their hard, hard-earned wealth, and he's giving it to the Romans, but he's taking a percentage, he's living off of it, and so he's like, he's serving God, and serving money rather than God, right? You guys get this? And although maybe I haven't done that exact same thing, that's my story too. It's like, I've sold my soul to slavery, to sin, to greed, to selfishness. It's like, I was broken, I'm broken, I was broken, it's like, I, I don't know if I want to go into my whole story. I, I was a perfectionist. I was a realist. I was a pessimist. I had no hope in this world, and then Jesus met me, right? And that's every one of your stories. Maybe that's a different ist, but the point is I am Matthew in this story, right? And then Jesus comes, and he calls me. He meets me. He's, he's coming along the road. He sees this guy at his tax collector booth, and he observes him. I love that word, observes him. Like, what did he see in Matthew? Right? What did he see in me? 
What did he see in you, right? But the reality is that he saw something and he stopped and he went to talk to this guy that everybody else hated. Like when was the last time he had a friendly conversation with anybody, you know? And so that's my story, that's your story. Jesus sees something in Matthew and he calls him. And what does he do, what does he, do, what does he call him to do? He calls him to follow him, right? And I love Matthew's response, he leaves everything behind and he goes and follows him. Yeah. And then from there, um, it's kind of interesting because this is where our story really starts to intersect with Matthew's, which, by the way, I don't know if we mentioned this, but in the text, he's Levi, um, but later he gets his name changed to Matthew, so we're talking about the same guy here. Um, so what Matthew does is throw him a feast, and uh, we don't, I don't at least know exactly why he threw Jesus a feast. I don't know if this is just the cultural kind of like, I met a new friend, I'm going to throw a party. Or if Matthew is genuinely like, I just have to do something with the gratitude in my heart and I'm going to give everything I have to Jesus. It seems like that's probably likely that he just was genuinely had met Jesus, had gone from death to life. I need to tell all my friends about him. I want all my friends or acquaintances, acquaintances to know this man that I love. Um, so either way, we don't know why exactly he threw him a feast. He did, and interestingly enough, that is what we found ourselves doing. Um, like with Ryan and Kelsey back there, you guys probably know them too. Um, we started to have this feeling of like, we're meeting a lot of people around campus, around town, and some of these people aren't totally ready for church like you meet them and it's like I don't exactly want to invite you to a church on Sunday morning but I want to invite you into my life and I want you to be able to experience the community of God and the body of Christ I want you to experience love um, so we started doing these Wednesday night dinners at Ryan and Kelsey's house and basically just throwing a feast for Jesus every Wednesday night we cook a bunch of food and have a bunch of people over and it's a time where we can invite anyone that we've ever met in any stage of life in any spiritual category and bring them in and uh, hopefully the idea is to share the love of Jesus and to allow someone else to experience the love of God in a way that they probably would not otherwise be able to do on a Wednesday night. So that's kind of like a practical point that we've experienced in our life is that sometimes if you meet someone and you're like, you have that same feeling that Jesus had when he saw Matthew and he's like, that one, I see something in that guy. I don't know if you've ever met anyone like that where you're talking to someone on the, I'm, I'm a mom, I go to the playground a lot, I meet another mom on the playground and I'm like, there's something about you, I don't know what it is, but I want you, I want there to be a next step. So Wednesday night is a place for us to invite people in to that. Um, and just kind of, uh, do you want to share maybe practically what that looks like? Uh, you kind of did. I oh, mean, okay. I'll, I'll jump in a little bit. Cause so from, it started with Wednesday nights. It just started with this angst to have a place I can invite people, get to know them, love them, they can experience Jesus. And hopefully there's like something more that comes out of that relationship, right? Like we didn't want another program. We wanted relationships, you know, like deep, genuine relationships, right? And, and so we started doing this weekly meal, and it's like, but if that's the end, then what, you know? And so then we found ourselves starting to do other things, like, shoot, maybe we should, like, do a Bible study, like, invite some of the people who Wednesday nights to do a Bible study. And then it was like, well, maybe we should, like, do a prayer group or worship time, you know? And you guys can see how that ball starts to roll. And, you know, it's been really cool and rewarding in a lot of ways, and we've learned a lot along the way. And, 
Um, but I was going to ask you, can you share the story of Sharla and what happened with her on Wednesday night? Yeah, this yeah. is just, I feel like, one example of so many. But um, there is this girl that we met basically through a Wednesday night situation. Um, there is a boy that, sorry, this all connects. Um, <laughs> Ryan and a couple of our friends go and play basketball at Bunker Hill, which is the boys' home out towards Hamilton and they just started loving on these guys and inviting them into their lives a little bit. We met one of these guys, his name is Josh, and um, he had just been coming around a lot. We just were talking to him, sharing Jesus, etc. And he brought his, his girlfriend's sister. So this is kind of a distant relationship. Girlfriend's sister ends up at Ryan and Kelsey's house on a Wednesday night. And we walk in, you know, with kids in tow, with food like every week we just are kind of scrambled walking in like maybe we have shoes on maybe not <laughs> and I walk in and just see Sharla and it was like this my heart I don't know it's immediately in that moment received the gift from the father of his heart towards her and I just felt overwhelmed by this like incredible love for her I'm gonna start crying talking about it because when he gives you that it's just like it's just beautiful and it's wonderful and um a lot of people have never experienced someone telling them that, especially like the girl with her background and talking to her later, I knew that she had never really heard of God in that way. So um, I got to talking with her and got to share with her what I felt was God's heart towards her and just the compassion of Jesus on her life. And so we're sitting there at dinner and I'm crying and she's crying and it was just this beautiful moment of like, wow, I never would have gotten to meet her had it not been for the way of life that we've been led into by the Lord. And it was just a really sweet gift to get to experience that with her. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. So I was saying Wednesday nights, prayer, worship, Bible study. We start doing these things, you know, in a lot of that space at our home or Ryan and Kelsey's home, but just kind of like meeting in living rooms, you know, like, like Jesus did, right? And there was this thing that started happening that was really, really tough for us, really challenging, where we felt like the Lord was starting to pull us away from Sunday mornings. And I didn't know what to do with that because we had been really, really involved first when we were in school in both OV and Cobblestone. And then we really felt like the Lord was doing something Cobblestone. So we like gave five years to just like invest, invest, invest. We were there from like seven in the morning till noon every Sunday. You know, we're doing like their weekday prayer and worship, you know, like it's just all the stuff, right? Um, and just really believe the Lord for a move of God there. And I think a lot of it happened. Some of it didn't. That's okay. Um, but in any case, it's like we had been so involved in let's call it institutional church, Sunday morning church, right? And we just like started seeing like the Lord is like, turning our focus to like the living rooms, the relationships, to the families, and, um, and that sort of community thing. And, and we wanted to do both, right? And for a time we could, but then we just like, it, it just became really clear. It's like, God wants us here right now, but I didn't want to let go of this, and you didn't want to let go of this. And so it was about a year before COVID, um, where it was like, we started, we had this time when we, I don't know, we met at the park or something, and just like, kind of like planning our life, talking about our year, whatever. And, and it was so clear that all of these pieces connected and they were interwoven with one another. And then there was this. And the Sunday morning just did not connect. It, like, it was like, we want to be there. We love the people. We love what's happening. But the Lord's not calling us there right now. And that was so hard because it felt like 
it felt like I was betraying my face and I was betraying my friend. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not part of the one thing that makes a Christian a Christian anymore, you know? And, and so we really wrestled with that. It was cool how the Lord really, really worked through that. And then, you know, when COVID hit, it was like, oh my gosh, we're like prepared, you know? Um, but the way I want to bring this back to the story um, is that in the story, the Pharisees and the Torah scholars, they come and they ask the disciples, right? We're the disciples. I'm not Jesus. I'm the disciple. They ask the disciples, hey, why is your master eating with sinners and tax collectors? And they don't know what to answer. Like, I didn't know what to answer. Like, I, I, was, I don't know. The Lord's calling us to do this. I just know that this is his will for us right now, but I can't explain it, you know? And it was this really difficult thing because a lot of our church friends, people that really loved us and cared about us, they, they questioned us. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, why haven't I seen you at church on Sunday? And people were sometimes upset. Like, I've missed you, meaning you should be there. And it's like, I, I, I'm really trying, like, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, it, it, you know, and so anyway, but what I love about the story of Matthew, the story of him, Jesus and his disciples, is that when the disciples didn't have an answer, Jesus spoke up for them, right? The disciples didn't go, oh my gosh, I don't know, uh, Jesus, can you help us? Jesus hears what the disciples, or the, what the Pharisees are asking, and he jumps right in, you know, and that feels like that's our story too, it's like the Lord came, and he like, he fought for us, like, he spoke up for us. Like, he gave wisdom, and he brought peace to all those relationships. It's like, we did not lose a single one of those relationships over what was happening in our life, even though we didn't have answers. And I just, like, that's just the beauty of the calling of the Lord. Is like, you don't know how it's going to happen, but when he calls you to do something and you say yes, he'll make a way, you know? And I love that. Um, okay, so I should finish that, that narrative. So a couple of years go by, COVID happens, we're doing stuff, whatever. And then this last spring, we found ourselves in this place where we really just felt like we needed a place to come and receive. You know, it was like we're, everything we're doing, we're leading, we're hosting, and it just felt like we're giving out so much and just needed a place to come and receive. Just show up on a, on a Sunday morning and not have any expectations, just be able to like worship and be prayed for. And, and so we found ourselves at the OV, you know, you guys probably started seeing us showing up, I don't know when that was, May maybe, April, May, and you know, Johnny would scream in the back. And, but I tell you what happened is the first four weeks, still screaming, right, yeah. First four weeks that we were here, I, 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 the only way I can explain is like, the Lord met me in a supernatural way for four weeks in a row. You know, like Josh, you remember me being up here crying, like this hot crying mess, you know, about father wounds and this and that. And I remember John Richter one, one day, he prayed with me, like, there was a critical spirit. I didn't know it, but like something that had been in my family. And I just remember like praying with him and feeling like this thing leave off, like lift off of me and being like, whoa, I don't know what just happened, but that was the Lord, you know? And it was like God had prepared a place for us here on Sunday mornings after these years of like putting our focus over here. You see what I mean? It's like he wanted us to focus, but then as, like, as we started to learn how to do this thing, right, then he was like, okay, I want a place for you now where you can go back and receive, but I don't want all your attention to be there. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Cool. Yeah, and I, ju this is kind of a sidebar, but I remember coming back to the OV those first couple times and feeling like, these people have been here this whole time. I'm gonna cry again, sorry. Um, <laughs> you've been here this whole time 
sacrificing your lives and your hours and your energy and your emotional capacity, everything, to make this gathering happen just so we can come and receive and meet the Lord and be blessed by it. Mm-hmm. And I just remember coming in and being like, oh, thank you. I'm so, I'm so grateful that you guys are here and I'm so grateful for, sorry that I'm crying. Um, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful yeah. for everything that you do to make this happen because it is super, it's just really significant and we're really grateful to just be in a place where we can come and receive yeah. and it's meant the world to us. So anyway, um, kind of back to the passage a little bit and um, what Jesus says when he when he responds then to the Pharisees is basically like, who needs a doctor? The sick do. And I want to spend a minute on that, just thinking about how there are kind of two groups of these like sick people. Mm-hmm. And there's there's part of them, the ones that we might typically think of, um, people who don't know the Lord and how they're like what my life was before I met Jesus, just broken and sick and crumbling around the edges and just like desperately in need of their savior. They need to meet Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that is that is a group that, we want to meet, we want to love them, and we want, as Jesus does, we want to see sinners reach repentance. And then there's another group of the sick, which I still also fall into, um, but this is like a group of believers who know Jesus, who are walking with him, who live life with him, but maybe don't totally know how to live a kingdom lifestyle, or they don't totally know how to take that next step in loving their neighbors, or being the hands and feet of Jesus every day, and I still feel like I fall into this category. And I know a lot, I've talked to a lot of people who also feel this like, I know there's a next step. I just don't know exactly what it is and how to do it. And I'm overwhelmed and I'm tired and I just can't. Um, and so I think what Jesus is saying is like, I'm also here for you. I'm still here for you. I'm showing you what it looks like to take a step forward in faith and in relationship with me as relationship to others. So. I think that it's something to like be praying about that just like, Lord, show me the sick. Because I think that sometimes when you meet people out and about or at church or whoever, even if someone is already a believer, there's this like readiness piece in Mm -hmm. someone that's like, I'm hungry for this. I want more. And that is when people find the Oxford Vineyard or they find our home or they need help taking that next step. you you want me to jump in yeah cool okay so to make that really practical right um i think there's two things here one of them is like the same way that jesus observed matthew it's like he's calling us to go out and just to have our spiritual eyes open right like when i'm at the store when i'm at work when i'm playing tennis or whatever you do it's like be looking for that. There's those people who are sick, they're ready for a doctor, but maybe the doctor has not come up to them or nobody's told them like, hey man, like I know this really great guy, his name is Jesus, like you wanna come hang out? Um, but the other thing is, and like I'm talking to you guys now in the room, is I'm not on the OV leadership team, but I know that several months ago, the OV leadership team got together and said, hey, we should do a series on the art of neighboring, right? I don't know why they decided to do that. I'm glad they decided to do that. But the point is somebody in this room said, hey, we should learn how to be better neighbors, you know? And so in my mind, I call that being the sick, right? Being sick is a good thing in this scenario. I'm going, I need a doctor. I need to learn this thing. There's a thing in the Bible that I don't feel like I'm doing a good job of. I want to learn it. So we're going to focus on it. 
that's really good, right? You guys get that? And so, so what I think is that there might be a handful of you guys in this room right now. You've been Christians for 40 years. You've been going to church every Sunday, rain or shine, COVID or not, you know, and you've been going to you know, Wednesday night prayer or whatever, small group. You've done all the church things, and that's really good, but you're going in this stage of life, you're kind of going, you know, Lord, I wonder if you've got more for me. Or like, maybe you're realizing like, you know, I'm not really being that missional in my everyday life. Like, I really worship the Lord when I'm within these four walls, but what about outside of this building, right? And so for you guys, it's like, when we're sharing about this sort of life outside the four walls, that might spark something in you, right? And in this scenario, I call you the sick, right? Being sick is good. You're going, hey, I want to learn something different. And we're going, hey, we've just spent the last five years of our life really investing and trying to learn this thing, right? That is life on mission in community. If you want to learn that, we want to help you. You guys see what I'm saying? And so if you're in that category of sick, we want to talk to you. Okay. Um, so having said that, we all want to see sinners get saved, right? That's like we want to see people get to heaven. We want to see people experience Jesus. We want to see the presence of God fall. It's awesome, right? But the question is, what happens after that, right? When somebody comes to church on a Sunday or when somebody gets prayed for at Kroger or when somebody gets you know, a bottle of water at a night watch night and they, you know, they get sobered in a moment, what happens after that, right? And so there's this big question. I think it's an overarching question that the church at large in the Western world really struggles with is what happens next? And I just want to suggest to you that Jesus gives us the answer to that question of what happens next when he tells Matthew, follow me, right? Jesus only knew one kind of discipleship. Like every one of his 12 disciples, the way he called them was he said, leave everything behind and follow me, you know? And so I just want to really like bring this up as a, as, a, as a topic of conversation. I hope it doesn't just say here. I hope this is something that you take with you, is what does it look like for a younger believer to follow you as you do life with Christ? You see what I'm saying? And so I'm going to push on you a little bit. Perhaps part of the reason why we don't see more young people in our churches is because the older generation has not done a good job of inviting the younger generation to follow them. Right? We invite them to our events and our programs, but we're not inviting them into our lives to do life with us, to learn from us, to come cook with us, to play sports with us, to wash babies' butts with us, whatever it is. You know, like we, like we need to invite people into our lives the same way Jesus did. Come follow me. Right? And so Paul actually says, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And he prays that we would live in a manner worthy of the gospel, fully pleasing to him, bearing good fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so we want to live lives that are worthy of the gospel. We, wanna, we, want, we don't want to just follow Jesus. We want to teach others to follow him as well. And normally that has to look more than just a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night. Uh. Yes, great. Um, yeah, and there are like, um, there are older women that have blessed me with the, I mean, like Debbie and Becky Maglich, like discipleship queens, just like really showing younger women how to do these things. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just, again, so thankful for the women who have gone before me in this. And I don't, we don't have it all figured out. Obviously, we are not perfect and walking with Christ in every single area of our lives, surrendered to him. But I do believe, I really, truly believe from the bottom of my heart that 
we and every single person in this room has something to offer someone else in faith. Like there is, you have a relationship with Jesus and there's something that is integral in your heart that the Lord has taught you about that relationship with Jesus that you can give to someone else. And so I, for me, like, again, being a stay at home mom, discipleship for me often does just look like inviting younger girls into my home and they see all of the mess, which I could share a story about that too. Um, (laughs) I will actually, this is kind of funny. So um, there's a Bible study that I was leading a couple weeks ago and there are these girls that are in my living room and Amelia was with me. It was like an early, Amelia, do you want to say hi? There she is. (laughs) So um, she's sitting next to me and we were like talking through all this stuff and Amelia was just being such a sweetheart during this meeting and we're talking about the Father and she's like talking about the Father in heaven and saying all these really cool things about God and I was starting to feel a little bit like, wow, these girls must think that I'm a really good mom, like talking to my daughter about spiritual stuff and look how sweet she is. And then out of nowhere, I mean, truly, this did not relate to anything else that anyone was saying. She was like, and also, when you get frustrated, you scream. And I was like, Oh, okay. I guess <laughs> I guess we're talking about this now. But um, t- and I really I did not have a way to like address that or recover from that. It was just like this is my sin. This is just the mess of my life. But that is true. That happens, and this is something that I walk through with Jesus every day. But these girls were getting to see that part of my life, and that's hard for me. It's humbling, but it's also then an opportunity for them later in life to be like, oh, you know, like this isn't, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. It's hard, but it's good. And discipleship um, as this like inviting someone to follow me in my life, that whole discipleship thing, it's messy and it's hard and you do not have to be perfect or even feel like you're equipped to do it because there is something that Jesus wants you to teach someone else that you have. Yeah, and I really, I really believe that it just starts with a willingness, right? So many times I ask questions like, well, how am I going to do that? And the Lord's not asking those questions. He's just saying, hey, are you willing to take a younger believer under your wing? Are you willing to invite someone over for dinner? Are you willing to ask that person that you've been going to church with for five years and you've never actually gotten to know them? Are you willing to ask them like, hey, let's grab coffee this week? You know, and I really think the Lord will begin to show you next steps as you walk out in obedience, his call to disciple others, right? That call of like, hey, come follow me, you know? And so like you said, we don't have to have it all figured out. He'll teach us. And that's fun, right? That's good. Um, I just want to share, this is kind of cool. While we were writing this um, message, I, like, I still often get insecure about our life because I can't really explain it to people. It's like, I just think this is what God's called us to right now, you know? And so I, we're writing this message, and I happened to look at the next verse after um, this scripture. And so I'll read, I'll read a little part of this. And so right after um, Jesus responds about the sick don't need, the, the healthy don't need a doctor, the sick do. I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinful to repentance. Then they, the Pharisees and tax collectors, say back to Jesus, Well, look, John's disciples often fast and pray as the disciples of the Pharisees, but your disciples are eating and drinking, right? And Jesus answers, well, you can't make the guests of a bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? 
Um, but the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away, and then they will fast in those days. So without going too deep into the, into the passage, I had this just a really sweet moment with the Lord where we're writing this message. I'm like, Lord, I don't know. Like, are they going to hate us for saying these things? And then, like, and I read this passage, and it's like, my life, our life used to be fasting and praying, right? Like the Pharisees and Torah scholars are saying, like, well, John's disciples fast and pray. Our disciples fast and pray. And it's like, that's where I met the Lord was in worship and in prayer. Like, we do Holy Spirit nights with Sakam, and it was amazing. Like, the Lord marked something in my heart in prayer and in fasting and in worship. And that's like still the thing I want to go back to, right? That's my like happy place with the Lord, you know? But here we find ourselves eating and drinking with sinners and tax collectors instead. And I struggle with that, you know? And so we're reading this passage and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's right there. Like, again, Jesus is going like, well, this is what I've called you to do right now. It might not be forever, but this is what I want you to be doing right now. And I just felt like a, like a little kiss from heaven of like, oh, the Lord sees us. Like, maybe we're not crazy, you know? So, yeah, that was just really, really cool. I was really blessed by that. And so, anyway, all that to say, I just want to invite you guys, like, if something that we've shared, or it's kind of like this little picture that we painted of this lifestyle of living life on mission in community with your friends, if, if, if something about that sparks, in, sparks you, like, if something about that lights a little flame in your heart or, you know, a little light bulb goes off, like, I just want to invite you to come talk to us. Um, actually, one of the life groups that is kicking off in a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing this together, right? We're going to invite you, whoever you are, um, to join us for six weeks and let's just say, hey, come, just come and like tag along. Like watch what we're doing. Just pray about if the Lord would have something for you that might look similar, you know, or maybe different. But we just want to invite you to come and experience this sort of lifestyle, right? Because it's not the healthy that need the doctor. It's the sick that do. And if you feel like I w- I'm ready for a change, we want to help you. Um, so that's, a, you know, that's our invitation. You don't have to take it. But if there's something in you stirring, I really just want to encourage you to just like, show up one time. Like, we're not asking you to even sign up for a whole six weeks if you don't want to, but just show up. Show up and just see if the Lord has something for you. Um, do you have anything else to add? Cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'll pray us out, and then uh, we'll jump into worship, and hopefully we'll have some good words of encouragement for us as well. Yeah, but yeah, Lord, we just thank you for this time. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that when we read your word, you read us and you speak to us. God, we thank you that we all, all are like Matthew. God, that, that when we had sold our, sin, our souls to sin and to slavery, Jesus, you came and you saw something in us and you called us higher and you're still doing it. God, and we thank you that you send us out like Jesus to call out other Matthews into that same lifestyle of gathering and fellowship and loving you radically and loving our neighbors. And so God, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to come, that you just wash over this room God, you just begin to speak to people's hearts and minds about the call of the Lord in their lives. God, that you would just really, really show them their mission field, where you've called them to in this season, in this time, with their families or with their friends. God, we pray that we would be effective, that you would open up doors to proclaim your word with power, God, that we would not waste our time, waste our energy, waste our talents, God, but that we would make the most of the things you've given us, God, that we would see just this, this whole community. We would, see that we would just see an explosion of your love an explosion of faith, God, that we would grow in trust of you, God, we would grow in love with you as we go out and reach those who have not yet been, uh, been reached, reached, God, people that don't, aren't coming to church, the people that, uh, the people that don't, ne- don't yet know you, or maybe they accepted, accepted you when they were eight, but, you know, haven't been really in walking in closeness, God, we pray that you would send us out to those people, God, the old family friends, and the people we went to school with, God, and the people we work with, God, we just pray that you just give us a heart for those people in Jesus' name. God, you break our heart for the lost. You break our heart for the people in our neighborhoods. In Jesus' name, amen.